was thinking about you this morning. I was thinking the word disruptor came to my mind. You have the older brokerages that have been around. Yep. And you guys were like the first, like now it's become more popular to see different new brokerages popping up, but you guys just came out of nowhere. And then I just watched you with a lot of admiration, right? To just come on the scene and just like do deal after deal after deal. And All right, welcome back, everybody. We've been down for almost two years, and I'm really happy and excited to to get back to uh, bringing you guys some some great content, some great information. And today, I have a heavy hitter with me today. Hey, how are you, Ken, Ken Weller from Rittenhouse Realty Advisors? How are you doing today? Great, great to see you. Good yeah, to see you at the uh, apartment trade show. Yeah, it was nice to be back at it after kind of a two year hiatus of not. Right networking and getting out there but uh, i've been going to that trade show for about 17 years and it's have a lot of friends and people i know for a long time in the industry that attend that so wasn't f at full capacity but it was just good to be back out there and see some old friends and be with the team again so it was right. great to see you there wonderful so ken has 20 years of experience as a broker right yeah yes yeah, so and about and he's years. done over north of two billion dollars in deals so it's a wealth of experience here. I've been also in the business for 20 years myself. Um, and my father, uh, when he first got in the business, like over 40 years ago, it's like he didn't know anything about apartments or anything like that. But the broker helped him. He took him by his hand and walked him through the deal, basically. She told him about owner financing because that was really hard to get a loan. Yeah. And then he borrowed the money up to put the down money on to start his first property. But so... For us, brokers are like, um, you're like God to us in a way, you know what I mean? Like you're highly, highly uh, admired. Yeah. And um, and uh, you guys bring us the goods. Yeah, I was, I was on, my, on my way here. I, one of my clients, um, we were catching up uh, just on, on different deals, but he bought maybe four or five deals for me during the last recession. And he just refied and pulled a, pulled a ton of money out on, on a couple of deals. And he's like, I'm looking for, I'm looking for some opportunities. I'm looking for some opportunities. Every deal I ever bought with you, I made a ton of money. So, um, you know, it's those long lasting relationships that trust that we established with our clients over the years that, you know, he's in a position to look for more opportunities right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to work with him again and, and trying to find him that, uh, different opportunities because we're always pounding the door kind of using our relationships opening up op different opportunities and, and finding them when you know people want to sell um but we have different relationships with different lenders title companies um mortgage brokers so you know we really know the full circle how to put a deal together right and you know during different cycles in the market we've been involved in every every way possible of setting up a deal from a note sale to, you know, selling REOs to, you know, doing bid processes when there's multiple, um, you know, 20 bids on a, you know, value add deal to a core class A building that we're selling for institutions. So we have a full, full knowledge and full kind of background of working with yeah. different lenders. I was thinking about you this morning. I was thinking the word disruptor came to my mind because you guys like uh, 13 years ago kind of came out of nowhere right young guys at the time right so young i guess right yeah 
young guys came out of nowhere and and disruptors are like now it's like a positive term instead as far as like you know you have like the you have the older brokerages that have been around yeah and you guys were like the first like now it's become more popular to see different new brokerages popping up but you guys just came out of nowhere and then i just watched you admiring admire with a lot of admiration right to just come on the scene and just like do deal after deal after deal and bring property after property after property to market yeah and you guys kind of shook up this yeah. area in terms yeah. of uh, multifamily yeah it was interesting like 13 years ago um my partner Corey lomberger he was with one of the national firms and i was with one of the national firms is it all right to say the name yeah yeah so he was at cbre i was with marcus milchap great right. firms learned a ton i you know i didn't know anything about real estate except for fixing up you know, row homes when I was 20 years old. That's how I really got into business. But, um, you know, I basically said to Corey, like, why don't we, you know, we were competing on deals all the time. I said, why don't we put, you know, two heads together and make it three and try to go at it together. So we worked together for about a year and a half and started Rittenhouse Realty Advisors. Um, uh, back in 2013, it was you know, the three of us, my other partner, Mark Duzak, you know, we started the company. And, uh, you know, we started from zero units, not having, not having any deals on our belt to, you know, probably do this year. We'll do just north of 800 million, at least uh, right. close to you know, 90 to a hundred deals, depending on how many deals actually close. So this let year. me ask you this. Like most of the people you deal with, they're probably seasoned investors. Yes. What about for a new guy trying to get in, yep. trying to get into this industry? Is it hard? Is there a barrier? What do you think? There's definitely, there's definitely harder than when I started. Um, you know, I would say there's more competition. There's more capital, which is great. So um, if I, I would suggest if anyone trying to buy and get into real estate today, definitely get to ment like get a mentor. Like I'm part of this program called Jumpstart, which I'm a mentor. Um, it's in Germantown. It's, it's ran by this guy, Ken Weinsberg, and he's doing an amazing job. It's just all about mentorship, and it's basically um, – buying a single family house or duplex, fixing it up and starting out that way, just very basic. Right. And see, you know, I always tell like my mentees, like you want to see if you like the business, you want to, you want to understand it. And there's a, there's so much more to this business, just buying, you know, fix this house and sell it, you know, that you see on TV. Right. There's management, there's financing. You got to deal with contractors. You have to deal with licenses. And you need those yeah. relationships. You, you need, need to build a team. You need to build yeah. those relationships. That's key. You have key. to have a solid accountant. You have a, 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 a solid um, lawyer that you work with. You want to really want to pull together kind of a circle of influencers that really help you build your business. Um, but if someone's starting today, I would start out just starting small. See if you like it. You know, I, I've seen guys come into the business. You know, they, they maybe come from a, a lot of money or just they just sold a company. They'll come in with a heavy splash and went, you know, very big. And sometimes it doesn't always work out because they just maybe they don't have the ma right management team in place or they didn't finance the deal correctly or they just, you know, they just don't like the business in general. And, you know, I've seen people kind of come in and out. Right. Um, but... It, I would say it's in real estate, it's, it's the long game and you got to look at things as like a career. I was, you know, I was doing things 15 years ago, you know, thinking about that relationship and thinking, you know, telling my clients the right thing that, you know, three, five, 10 years down the line, when you're looking to sell, I remember Ken Weller told me, you know, what to do to add that value to that building. 
And, you know, I kind of really cherish those relationships. And I think those relationships long term have really helped us season our business and kind of scale it to what it is today. Yeah. And now a lot of the brokers even that I talk to, um, they themselves are astonished with what's going on with the market. Yeah. It's what's I've never seen it like it is today. I mean, it's um, you know, there was so much capital sitting on the sideline last year. I remember, you know, during COVID, everything basically shut down from March, April and May. It was very it was very hard. We were just trying to keep our deals together at that yeah, point. Um, exactly. A lot of deals, you know, kind of got put to the side, and a lot of people just really focused on the operation, which they needed to. Right, that's what we I didn't. Did. We didn't know. We didn't know if you didn't, you know, if if your your tenants are going to pay rent. We we didn't know. Like right. it was a scary time. For yeah. Them. So I think all that like time off, you know, there was about six months when nothing really happened. We we did actually we did actually pretty well, all considering uh, we we sort of. Pay, couple large deals during like the heart of COVID that we kind of just pushed through. But um, I think now it's just all that money that was sitting on the sideline and saw how well multifamily actually did during the pandemic. The collections did well. And then you you had so much capital that was maybe invested in office buildings or retail. Right. That was the next point I was thinking about. that, That now, you know, they don't feel comfortable investing in that sector. So they'll, you know, there are a lot of people that weren't, traditionally a multifamily are now coming into the space and want to really uh have a piece in, in and even in the business. hotel industry took a hit yeah the know? hotel yeah the hotel business took a very big yeah. hit. i watched this guy ben mala you ever heard of him on youtube i heard of the name yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's but he started off with multifamily he's like you know older guy kind of kind of like my father came from nothing and then just built up and then you know, he got did a lot of hotel business you know got a bunch of hotels as well and he's just buying flipping hotels and you know and so he he, he said in the beginning, he's like, you know, my, my apartments are doing great. <laughs> he said, well, a hotel, my God, I, you know, he had to make some, make, go through some, 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 some hoops. Yeah, stuff, I'm so. actually seeing, and I've, I've worked with some of my clients that they're, they're actually looking at hotel conversions. Yeah, that they're was looking the other, at, exactly. They're looking at the zoning and seeing if they can convert the hotels into multifamily. Right. Um, either micro units are big, depending now, on the I saw the one you recently in Allentown. They took the ho- old Holiday Inn building and they converted it all into apartments. They did a great job. The J.B. Riley, you familiar yeah, with Yeah, sure. The guys yeah. in Allentown. I walked through that a couple months back. I think it was early summer. Nice. They did a really good job up there. Um, yeah, I mean, people are looking for, oppor- for opportunities, right? So I just want to pick your brain a little bit about, like, um, um, as a broker, what do you love in, when it comes to clients? Like, you know, so certain clients kind of rub like, all right, let me, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. Like somebody coming in, you know, what do they need to do? What's like, what's good for them to know as far as working with a broker? Like how, what's like, what are the things that brokers love and what are brokers can't stand basically? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, Cause you want to build that relationship with your broker, right? That's a good question. Look, um, you know, we, we just closed a hundred million dollar deal with one of our really good clients and um, his father taught him. We were we were flying to go into a a meeting uh, about a few weeks ago, and basically his his father told him, always you know your reputation's everything, but you got to always take care of the brokers because they're the ones that are finding the opportunities. Exactly. And that's that stuck with me. It's like I always don't understand if you're truly in the business and looking to scale your business, like why wouldn't you take your take our call or meet with us because we always have different opportunities. Um, but it's, I would say most importantly, it's just like your integrity, 
you know, say what you're going to do and, and follow through. Like, you know, if you're in due diligence and something really comes up and it's, it's warrants a retrade, you know, that's one thing. But if it's, you're going into a deal just to tie it up and retrade it, you know, that, that just looks bad on us as a broker because we're advising our seller that, you know, this guy's his track record, he should be able to close. Um, you know, it, it doesn't suit well for your reputation long-term in the marketplace. First of all, I know all the brokers in the marketplace. I either worked with them uh, over the years. We've done deals together. You know, they're my friends. You know, some guys we, you know, we grew up, we grew up together with that are in the business. So I've known some of these guys for 20 years, even longer. So, you know, people, you know, brokers talk with each other. What's your experience with this buyer? Right. And, you know, your reputation goes a long way of, of doing what you say you're going to do. Right. So that's and really important. So a great thing is obviously if, when, once you sign, you go through with the deal. Yeah. You know, it's like. Yeah. I mean, with, with the market we're in today, I'm seeing more deals being hard at signing than I ever seen in my career. It feels a little bit about like 2007. Um, deals are not as leveraged, but you know, we're seeing a lot of buyers today that are, you know, signing half a million dollars, million dollars at signing. They may get an assets agreement to start their due diligence at signing of the letter of intent. And then they'll do to their due diligence and basically be hard. So once that was kind of like contract. my next question. What's it take to get a deal done these days? Yeah, th I think it's very important, like really good terms. And very short time period. It's, it's right. you know, we're we're dealing with a lot of New York capital. Um, I would say in this region, uh, I actually started when we started renting house realty advisor. I actually got an apartment in New York uh, for five years, and I met with every single multifamily owner or developer in New York. I would go, I'd make it a point to go and see and introduce myself, and basically say. I know you're a developer in New York or own a ton of multifamily in New York, but if you want to look outside the region, region let let me know. I have a ton of opportunities. And we started just showing different New York buyers, like, our opportunities. And right. it really, it's really opened up the door of the mentality of new kind of investors and blood coming into this region. And that mentality in New York is you're, you're signing hard money at signing of the LOI. Like, that's how competitive it was, it's not as competitive today, but back, you know, traditionally New York is one of the most competitive markets you could be in. So, you know, seeing all that capital coming to the market, you're starting to see the trends of non-refundable money signing at signing and, um, you know, 30, 60 day close type of, de uh, of deals. And there's so much capital too, right? I would say right now, the dominance of this year I've ever seen is the debt funds. The debt funds are just as, as aggressive as agencies or the banks. I mean, they're closing, you know, 80, 85% leverage le uh, loan to cost. So, I mean, we're seeing super aggressive terms. I think that's really driving, pushing price as well. So I think, you know, if you're going today's, if you're coming in today's market as a buyer, you have to come in with very aggressive terms with, yeah. uh, pretty quick terms and that yeah. that's kind of what we're seeing when deals and also like almost a, a like a, i wouldn't say relaxed due diligence but like you know it's almost like you do your due diligence up front correct yeah and it's just like once we sign this you know like it's we're just buying in like yeah with with us after our experience like we can kind of walk through a property look at it assess it real quick and then we don't have to go and look at every nook and cranny to do a due diligence you know we can pretty much you know 
you're gonna roll with the punches, you know, and sure. whatever comes up comes up, and you're never gonna always know what's 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 yeah, hidden. If you're buying you know? a 500 unit apartment building, you know, each 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 tenant's gonna be different, each unit's gonna be different. You know, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna have to deal with things. And that was like, that wow. that last deal we did when we bought the 800 units. It wasn't yeah. like it was like this guy wanted to do, he wanted the due diligence up front, right? Basically, because he wanted to, whoever's gonna sign, and we put a million dollars down. Yeah. You know, like to show him, like you know, we're gonna sign and we're gonna yeah, go through serious. this. We're done. You know, yeah. so that shows a commitment. Yeah, and you know, that as a seller, and when we're advising sellers, you know, we want that. We want them to commit. To, yeah. uh, we want to make sure the buyer's committing. We want to make sure they're getting the highest price with the best terms. And then there's a whole lot of, yeah, obviously, in your industry, there's a whole lot of like back and forth deal with the seller, deal with the, the buyer, deal going back and forth. That can yeah. be kind of nerve wracking at times. I think. Well, how do you? How do you? How do you? Uh, what do you do for your own mental sanity? Like, you know, you know, you can't, you can't let it affect you. I mean, cause you're talking about big deals, big transactions. You can't. And personalities and, personalities. and egos. Yeah. And I, I don't take anything personal anymore. It's all business. So it's like every person I deal with is different, you know, and other, other people I deal with have different negotiating skills. So, um, you can't, you can't, you take it with a grain of salt. You know, you, you're, you're, the, your deal to, you're, you're there to represent your seller to get the best terms and price, and you got to deal with different personalities. So, um, you just got to work through it and adjust. And I, I don't get, I don't get upset about about much. So it's, it's how I deal with a lot yeah, of it. Just, just being, just, and it's just experience. Being, that, that, being a professional about it, and, right? You know there's things that come up in every deal. I mean, right. there's always a F you part of the deal where either <laughs> the buyer and the seller are both fed up with each other and they both want to walk away. The key, you know, one of the key roles that we play is like, all right, let's everyone take a step back. Let's take a breather. Let's look what's, what's, what's wrong. How do we get through this, this situation? And once we get through, we'll get a close. And I, you know, there's, I can't, I have to, you know, there's usually at least nine out of 10 deals that something so, comes so up. So brokers got to have mediation skills. Yeah, you basically. have to, yeah, it's, you got to be almost a psychologist. <laughs> like to deal with some of these people. I deal with some some funny people. <laughs> right. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, interesting people, right? Yeah, very and, interesting uh, people. Um, so what I was going to say, so so you've achieved a lot of success, obviously, through, 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 through your brokerage and things. What do you see, like you get to a point where like, um, like, What's the next step like basically when you get to a certain place in life where like financially you're good, your mm -hmm. business is running good, you guys got a good operation on, on, on um, flowing. Are, are you at the point now where you're kind of like looking and like figuring out like I'm, I'm reached this kind of place in my life and I want to see what else is there or what's next or you know what I mean? Or yeah, like, no, where can look, I, go next? I, I mean, that's the person I am. I'm, I'm very driven. I'm hungry. I come from a very humble background. Um, so everything I've done, you know, I kind of figured it out on my own. So what drives you? Yeah. So I would, I would just say, let's just, it's just, it's, I'm just, I don't know. I work out. I literally wake up every day at like four thirty-five. Right. I start working, um, on my, my, at my home office. I work out an hour and it just, it just gets me, it's just exciting. I don't know. It's, so it's kind of like the. You're working work, work stuff at four thirty in the morning, five yeah. o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then work out. And then I work out and then I go back to work and then I pretty much don't shut it off until I go to bed. So I'm either at networking events or, but I, I love what I do. Right. So right. I'm very passionate. 
and I love to be competitive as well. Our, our business is very, very competitive. competitive. Right. So I think that drives me a lot. I, I like the competition. Okay. But now, to go back to your question, I, I, I like to kind of do the mentorship with some of the younger guys on our team. I love seeing them grow. Uh, some of the guys that started with us five years ago are really just hitting out of the park. And I just love to see them grow and, and kind of figure it out on their own. Uh, one of our guys, Luke DeLuca, he started with me in New York. I always get his calls. He always calls Yeah, me. Luke's the best. Such a gentleman, you know, played football at, at Penn, just a great, great human being. But we started out, I just remember we start when he started, you know, we just opened Rittenhouse. And I had him work in New York with me, going to the, all these meetings, not knowing any anybody. And one of our first deals we ever listed was a $200 million student housing deal in, on the Upper East Side. And... You know, the way the two of us just worked it, <laughs> it was just fun. But that experience, I think he learned so much from that experience. You know, we got a lot of rejections and a lot of no's, but, you know, he he worked through it and he learned from that. And now he's just, you know, he's going to be one of our top guys in our, in our office this year. And I just I just love seeing that guy's not giving up and, yeah. and, and that persistence. Um, you know, we're doing a lot more student housing stuff now nationally. We hired a guy out of New York, um, guy's name's Doug Sitt. His family's a big real estate family, but he's, you know, he's very hungry, you know, young guy. You know, I love mentoring, helping him grow. And, you know, we have probably close to four, $400 million already under agreement just in student housing and a platform we started less, you know, about a year ago. So it's, you know, it's watching things like that groom and scale is, is very exciting and mm -hmm. fun. Um, and you guys are always known for like bringing in the young, young, fresh brokers and like, and then getting them to, to yeah, groom to grooming them, grooming yeah. them. And, and, and we, we don't just throw them out there. We work with them. We work at, you know, we kind of work as one big team. So either Mark, Corey, or myself, or myself, we're all working together, um, to help them get the deal across the finish line. We, we, we don't just throw them out there. We help them with the underwriting. We help them out how to do site visits, how to negotiate. Like we're, we're pretty involved. Um, uh, we're touching we're touching almost every single deal that right. that hits our system. Um, but, you know, I think what's important to me right now, too, is, like, just giving back to the community. Right. Um, I've been really big into Big Brothers, Big Sisters. That's been a, um, a big passion for me. I started um, something called Building Up Awards uh, that kind of honored a lot of the developers in different regions that were giving back to communities and that was a huge success. We had two um, great events. We raised over $700,000 for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I was a big brother. Like I said earlier, I came from like a very humble background. And if, and if I didn't have mentors in my life, I kind of could have went down a different path where some of my friends, you know, it didn't yeah. work out as well. I think that's the number yeah. one thing in any any field, and especially this field, is to have somebody who's been there, done that. I'm, I'm lucky that my mentor is homegrown. You know what I mean? Like my mentor yeah. is my father. Um, and it's, it's a little different because it's like, it's your father. So you don't, you think that, you know, you're, you get to an age where you think you're the smartest guy in the world. And you think, then you realize later on, you don't know nothing. He knows everything. Right. Yeah. And then to be able to take from my mentor and then, but then also bring my, my mix into the play. You know what I mean? It's like, well, to that's, be able to that's it's amazing. So it's like, I always see some of the most successful real estate, um, people in this industry or, or families, you know, they, they, they learn from their father, and then the new generation comes in and really scales the business. You know, I, I look at the Morgans. John Morgan's a good friend of mine. Okay. You know, John, when he started, when he got out of school, he went up to New York, learned, you know, the 
the debt. You know, he learned finance really in New York and came back down and worked with his father, Mitch, and just really scaled the business to where it is now. They're now the second largest apartment owner in the country. It's amazing what him and Jason have done since they really helped their father take over the business. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's families like that that I admire. It's like you want to, you want to, you're not, you know, in real estate, it's, it's not like a quick in and out. It's, it's generational wealth that you're creating, exactly. right? So you really want to, you know, you're buying things long term. You know, traditionally, if you're buying, if you have a 10-year outlook and buying something, usually you don't get hurt. You know, if you, you know, I see guys who get hurt if they, you know, they're, they're trying to go in a deal, have a, sh you know, uh, in and out kind of mentality, high leverage. And then the market change, you might have interest rates change or, um, you know, their let their loan comes due. You know, these are all things that guys could get hurt. if they. Is there any like certain particular traits you see in the families that are like kind of generational with real estate? Like, do you see any commonalities or? Uh, yeah, good question. I, I just, I, I think they have a, a, a longer term outlook, right? So it's, and, and it's a lot of the time it's their own money. So they're not, they're not, you're, they're not using private equity firms to, to hit certain hurdles to get certain promotes. They got to get, you know, they're looking at it like I'm putting my own money to work. Right. I'm looking at this 10 to 20 years, you know, we're going to manage it. We're going to do our, our business plan. And hopefully I could give this to my, my kids one day. So I think that's a common theme that I see, see with families and some of these syndicators that are more fee driven or kind of in and out of a deal and are just really driven on fees and they're, they're kind of strangled by their, now, their, see, their partners. It seems like there's two types of investors. One are like the buy and hold kind of guys like us. And then there you also have the people that buy, they come in, they buy it, they renovate it and they flip it and then they move on to their next deal. You see any common traits there too, as far as the buy and hold people versus the people who kind of come in and they're always the people who, I guess they're, I wouldn't know about it because from my own person, we're, we're pretty much buy and hold, but the people who come in, they buy a property. Like they, one guy bought the pop, the Penn Manor building. He mm. bought it for like 2.3. You know, I think Luke was telling me. Yeah, we sold it. And then he flipped it for five recently, yeah. right? Yeah, we five just put it on our contract. Yeah. For five. So, and within, I think three years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't know the person, you know, but is there a different trait as far as those type of investors that people buy and hold and the people that kind of just buy, hold for a few years and then move money around? Well, I think, you know, their, their business plans are kind of accelerated, right? Their, their, their business plan has to move quicker than a longer term holder. So, right. you know, they'll, they'll do things that try to do the renovations, the facade work or the, you know, landscaping or upgrade the kitchens and bathrooms right. they'll have to do that right. a lot sooner than uh you know they come in who, with a game plan yeah they have they're like we're gonna come in here plan we're gonna this is what we're doing we're gonna we're gonna get it ready for market basically yeah so they they kind of you know a lot of these groups they'll have that in their in their model like here's my three five-year exit this is what i'm gonna do and this is what I'm pro forma my exit cap rate is going to be once I'm done my renovation. Right. So I think it's, and then they got it, but they got to have something in place so when when they sell that, it can move to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? So They're constantly, yeah. So we're seeing they more, constantly need and new inventory as well. They're like. Yeah, so they're, they're they're always talking to a lot of people. <laughs> like, if you're you know you're, if you're that type of buyer, you, you better have a lot of relationships with a lot of brokers. Right. You better be talking to every residential realtor, to every commercial broker. 
in you know this this whole area you, you want to find different opportunities you want to be talking to lenders you want to talk to state attorneys you want to be talking to um, anyone who might have a, a tip on on if someone's going to sell um, you now, know, nowadays I'm sorry no I was just going to say like there's you know there's always four reasons why people typically sell apartments we call them the, the four D's okay the divorce you know someone's going through a divorce right it could be uh, um, a death someone passes away. The debt's coming due, and then dispute. You know, there's dispute between partnerships. Oh. They're typically the four motivations we typically see uh, sellers, you know, why, why they end up selling. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I never thought of that. That four Ds, debt, death, divorce, debt coming due, obviously. It was always, and, and then the dispute. Dispute, yep. dispute between partners usually, right? Yep. Usually some, some sort of... Uh, Something going on, partners. You know, partnerships. So are tough. Uh, that's why they move a lot of more properties. I think in Florida, there's a lot more divorce there. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. A lot more t- temptations in Florida than up here. <laughs> so, before I pull this up, but so one thing I wanted to ask you is the way traditionally we have done debt service, right? Is we usually we kind of learned this from our father, and it it. it we're, we're being a little bit more flexible these days, but he does something which I think, now you tell me if this is unheard of or, or, or different compared to most because you see the deals and you see the way people, uh, you know, structure their debt service, right? So he's always been a fan of the 15-year self-liquidating loans that in 15 years he's paying off the property. He's coming in with his down money. He's getting a 15-year self-liquidating. Yeah. Is that a rare breed or what? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely kind of a, generational type of um outlook you know you're you're looking at pretty much not having any debt you know in 15 years uh it's a little harder to scale that just because you know i think the best thing about real estate is leverage right right so you know if you have properties where your equities i mean your your debt's only 20 percent of what the value of your property is i mean you could refinance that up to 70 percent use that leverage uh, use that equity as leverage for your no- next property. Right. And as a result of that, you can look, this is some of our portfolio here. You can see the debt compared to the equity. And this is being conservative as far as, you know, the price per units here. Yeah. Um, so at some point, there's going to be a lot of equity that can be then reutilized yeah, right, I mean, for look, bigger deals. You're, you're sending a lot of wealth, a lot of equity, but are you maximizing the return on your equity, right? Exactly. So, you know, you could you can maybe use that money better if you refinance some of that money out uh, and put that put that money back to work and kind of leverage that up. Maybe even if you don't want, your, your father's obviously conservative. Even if you want to go up to maybe 60, 65% loan to value on a refi, you could use that, you know, that's a lot of cash that you could, you, you, you could Investing really scale that. To, it, yeah. You use that equity and buy another $250 million of multifamily properties within a few years um and what's nice about it and we were talking about this earlier is it's your own money it's your family money so right. you're not you don't have any restraints of you know working you know doing friends and family when you're raising money or you don't have any private equity firms that you have because I mean, that's what to. that's how we did we we're able to do that Harris we were able to pull 15 from this property you know and yeah that way because that property wasn't really able to hold a loan on its own, the way those properties were structured. They wouldn't even, they just wouldn't, wouldn't even be paying the bills. You yeah. know what I mean? If it wasn't for this help from being able to pull equity from another property that's paid off. Yeah. 
and this you property, also don't want to over leverage right you want to you want to stay yeah that's why and, and then this property he bought for look at he bought that property in arbor village in 98 for less than five mil yep and that's almost 300 units and they're easily over a hundred hundred thousand a unit uh, i would think you're you're already, yeah no i mean what we're seeing in the market now we're there's seeing more a lot than of that but i'm being conservative uh, yo, you know, we're probably so. like 150, 150k a door now. So you look at the I mean, value over time, even with maybe you're not using the full potential of your equity to work, but yeah, but for any at, garden. But you look at the the value, how the increase in the value from a five million five million dollar property it was really busted. Yep. When I when we bought it, really busted, really distressed. I I was the one of the managers when we first took that over, you know. And, but that's um, huge. I mean, look, you worked a deal. You. you you, you were the hands you were you were working the deal every day right you were knocking mm -hmm. on the doors doors you were dealing with the tenants you really added the value right you know Roy I always like to use is you know if I if I spend if I spend seven thousand dollars to upgrade the kitchens and bathrooms will I be able to you know increase my rents by like three hundred dollars you know it, you sh there should be a number that you're able to rent raise your rents on um, but you you clearly worked it you got to be be there hands on. And the beautiful thing about real estate, you keep working it, you pay down your debt, your tenants pay down your debt each year, Yeah, you know, that your equity keeps increasing and you're building wealth. So we're about to wrap up, but any just closing tips you'd give to uh, people coming into the industry or even people who have seasoned that, you know, they just need to be reminded of? Yeah. I mean, look, it doesn't matter like how successful you are or, you know, if you're just starting out, like you need to just talk to people, have conversation with people, get people's point of view of what they're saying, you know, join groups. You know, I'm involved in like five or six different organizations that, you know, they're either my peers or under different, different positions and different companies that you're kind of bouncing ideas off of. You're talking, um, find a mentor, you know, find someone that you could really look up to and ask questions about and that could help you out. So ideas and innovation are really important, especially this these days and times how do you guys stay fresh it's more so like the interactions with different groups and stuff helps you to create those ideas yeah, and really. see things from different perspectives 100 like percent. and i'm like i'm a big guy when it comes to networking and going to events uh going to trade shows you know obviously we saw each other at the paa event but i i mean i gotta tell you i'm at i'm at at least a different conference at least once a month i'm meeting new people from all the all over the country I'm part of, the, part of the Forbes Council yesterday. I was on a Zoom call with 30, you know, 30 of the top guys in their areas and their region and what they do and just hearing what they how, what they dealt with during COVID. Right. You know, hearing other people's experiences, it's like it's like free learning, right? It's right. like the more people you talk, the more experiences you get, the more you learn. So it's just always keep your mind open, never shut it down. And I think that's really the key of growth um, and just being – being open, I think that's really important. So, last question: How do you? How do you? You're you're a super go getter. You know, you're working all day, from four thirty five <laughs> in the morning till you shut it off at night. How do you balance family and, and work? You know, it's, it's it's a great question. You know, weekends are it's time with my family. Um, you know, during the day, I take my son to work. Every taking my son to school every day. How old is your son? Uh, he's three years old. Okay. Um, so I I uh, you know I wake him up every morning, get him ready. Take them to school. You know, that's my time when I'm talking to them, hanging out with them. So I'm picking them up at school, dropping them off. Then I'm going back to work, hanging out. We'll have dinner together, put them to bed. And then, you know, I typically 
you know, we'll work until I go, go to sleep, but it's, and then the weekends, you know, we're always doing fun things. Like I'm a big traveler, so yeah. I'll get on a plane, I'll, you know, we'll just do something fun. I mean, I think he's turning 19 and he's been to 19 countries already and he's only th three years old and that's through COVID. So he got a lot of good traveling in as, as a young, young little lad. Wow. Yeah. I found out that like my, my kids are grown now. I got one in college the first year and one's uh, last year of high school. And I found out that like uh, I did the time just coming and back going to school is probably some of the most valuable time because like you really get to just talk and so they have no distractions unless they're looking at their phone or whatever. And you tell them to put it down for a while or whatever. But it's just it's just like some of the times where you can just kind of share your wisdom. Yeah. And really, really, um, really communicate most effectively, I think, to your children. At least for me, I have just experienced no, I, that I every time. It's one of the best times to really drop in those lessons, plant those seeds, you know? Yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I do the same thing. I, I mean, I, I think be, even before he was one, I had him in my office. He would just listen to me here, like just hearing what I do. I think bringing him to job sites, construction sites, I think it's it's cool. He really appreciates yeah, it. Yeah, they get he to likes, see, they get yeah, to learn yeah, it at a yeah, very yeah, young age. Yeah. You know, my kids, I told them, they, they started, and they were 14, they started with the cleaning people. Mm -hmm. And they started doing cleaning the buildings at the high-rise building in Pottstown, you know wow. what I mean? And then they started with, like, maintenance and then painting. And so so tomorrow, if they do take over the business, it's up to them. But if they do, you know, like, they've known from the ground up what these people are experiencing that are working with them, you know what I mean? So they get to see it through their yeah, eyes. It's 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 huge. It's it's so valuable. I mean, uh, the one kid I'll, I'll circle back with, Doug said, he, he started traveling with his dad and looking at his different properties across the country at 10 years old and oh, wow. through, throughout college, he would go to tours. He would meet the janitor, the maintenance guys, like, like to your point, like that's how you create generational wealth. You start them young, you start teaching your kids the business as young as you can. And right. you know, that it always sticks with them. And you know, if, as long as they're hungry, they're going to kill it. Well, it's been a great conversation. Thank man. I really you. appreciate yeah, I really you appreciate taking it. time to come out yeah, here. Great to see you. I'm looking forward to having Corey on too. Yeah, as well. absolutely. Future. This was very fun. I really so, appreciate it. Uh, thank you. All right. All right, guys. Appreciate you. If you like what you're hearing, hit the like button. And uh, if you don't hit it anyway, you know what I mean? <laughs> Drop a comment, you know, tell us what you feel. You know, if somebody actually sent me a DM on Instagram and said, you guys, what happened? Like, where you guys been at? Like, I just, I'm enjoying your podcast. I'm getting so much out of them. And um, I want to pull that up, but I want to find that thing. But thank you. I forget your name right now, but thank you for helping us, to giving me that push to come back and, and to give this, you know, to give back. So thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.